0: Welcome to National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories, the podcast of storytelling, Irish folklore, mythology and chat from the storytellers of the National Leprechaun Museum right here in Dublin. Uh, I'm Eleanor and today I'm joined by Mark. Hi Mark, it's been a while.
1: Hey, has, we haven't done anything together in, in quite a bit.
0: No, we haven't.
1: Now that we have the other guys around, it um, seems Poddy to be... and Deirdre. Poddy and Deirdre and we'll slowly be introducing some more of the storytellers to this but uh, we become... Less relevant, it feels like. Or less in demand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> less in demand. It isn't all on uh, um, our shoulders.
1: No. But of no. course, we're, we're joined today by Poddy in the form of story.
0: Yes, indeed.
1: So we're never truly alone.
0: No. Never. Not when you have a story.
1: No. And, and the, the story today, I mean, I know Poddy looks for any excuse to tell this story inside the museum. Mm. But it's actually the first time for us to use this story for online mm-hmm. content. Yeah, it is. Which is really strange because it's one of Poddy's big stories. It is. It makes me think he's been holding back a little bit.
0: I haven't actually heard Poddy tell the story before. It's been one of our other storytellers.
1: Yeah. I oh, know for me, this is a big Poddy story. Oh,
0: that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's got one of his heroes in it.
0: <laughs> um, but before that, something else uh, has changed since we last spoke here on the podcast, hasn't it? Has it? Well,
1: the museum has reopened oh, the museum. see i'm so used to it now we've done an entire three days with the public so it's just, you know, <laughs> you fall, yeah and you fall back into it but it is strange because obviously you know we've gotten used to adapting and thinking on our feet you know over the last 14 15 months mm. and um yeah the way we've reopened the museum has meant a change to the experience yes indeed um which which went really well last weekend. I was delighted. One of the things I loved last weekend was the amount of people who were coming back to visit the museum.
0: Amazing. Yeah,
1: it was like at one point there was a, a woman telling me a story in the shop at the end. And I remember, and it was a family story, I remember she told me it a couple of years ago. Wow. I was like, have, we, have you told me that story before? And she's like, yeah, I didn't think you'd remember. And
0: you're like, get better stories. Yeah,
1: No, it's an amazing... <laughs> I mean, it was great... What I love when people share like family stories with us, because it was mm-hmm. about our grandmother who was coming home one evening and just walking across the fields between like the two family homes, and the mist came down, and uh, yeah, she said she was dancing with the fairies all night, and that she couldn't see where she was going, so she just huddled down and spent times with with the good folk, and they kept her safe. Everyone was amazed when she eventually she came home the next day. They thought she should have like it was so cold she should have died during the night. Wow. But they believe that the good folk looked after her.
0: That's incredible.
1: Mm. I, mean, I mean you're gonna remember a story like that when you yeah. hear it, so it's like Yes, yeah, so we offered her a job. She starts next week. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see it can be hard to find storytellers. And I know yeah. we're gonna probably look again pretty soon for mm-hmm. a storyteller, but you just meet some people and they just I suppose they're comfortable with their own story. Yeah, and they know it so well because to, it's their truth.
0: They're the storyteller or the story keeper for their own community, however big or small that is. Yeah,
1: I'm usually the villain in my own stories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I love when um, you know you, people come out on the other end of the tour and feel inspired enough to, to tell us their stories from their family or their home place of um, of banshees or fairies.
1: Yeah, and you do. I mean, it really is about creating that space. I mean, there's, on one hand, there's creating the space by actually physically having the museum there. That's, I mean, that's a great start.
0: Yes, invaluable.
1: Uh, Invaluable, but to be honest, it it doesn't count for much if the storyteller can not create an emotional space Mm. within the four walls um, that people feel they can be part of something. But, you know, actively and inactively as a listener and as a storyteller themselves.
0: Yes, and the space for a play.
1: Yeah, yeah, you need that. That's why we've got giant furniture and rainbows. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but it, that's um, fantastic. Because this is um, after our, our, the first weekend that we've been open. When you're listening to this, it'll be after our second weekend open. Yeah. Um, or indeed, sh- at,
1: at any point in the future. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it will be we after could, that. We could be back open years at this when someone's listening to this. But yeah, we just keep doing what we do.
0: Yeah, it is great to have the, the museum open and the public back.
1: It's like a fresh injection of life and, and I know, I speak for me and I suppose for the storytellers, it's sustenance, it's like having a, a meal, you know, mm-hmm. or it's like, I, you know, I mean, you need something to give you energy and what's yeah. been missing has been the audience.
0: Yeah, even just over the past month since um, since the government here announced that museums could reopen on a certain date and we've been preparing for that, Yeah, uh, just the atmosphere in the museum completely changed, even though there was no one there yet.
1: No, but I mean as well once we could have our storytellers back in safely, that was mm. that was great. Yeah, know? that
0: was huge.
1: Um and that was that was a month ago, so the tenth of May, Gosh. Like, so yeah, we're I know, we're settling into it fairly fairly well. Yeah. Just roll on the fifth of July when more restrictions are, are lifted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure by that time I will have had a holiday and everything.
0: Oh fantastic.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. You'll hear a difference in my stories when I come out the other side. <laughs>
0: Fiona <laughs> sat down and decided to have a massive cocktail yeah. and let the rest of the Fiona worry about the invaders. Well, you couldn't have them
1: all in the one place at the one time. There are restrictions on numbers. <laughs> definitely 2 meters between each other.
0: Yes, of course.
1: So party has a great story for us today.
0: Yes, it's definitely one to sink your teeth into. Uh, this is the story of uh, Diarmut and the kingdom under the sea. If the name Diarmut sounds familiar, uh, this is the same Diarmut from The Pursuit of Diarmut and Grania, where he and the, the young, lovely Grania run off around the country with uh, Gráinne's fiance Fionn McCool, after them, uh, chasing them for years, but... Diarmuid's adventure under the sea and everything that goes along with that happens before he meets Grania, and it's a fantastic story so sit tight and take it away potty.
2: In many of our stories here you will have heard us mention Nafinia, that band of warriors led by the brave Finn McCool, whose job it was to protect the Irish people and the Irish countryside. You might have gotten the impression though from our stories that life as a member of Nafinia was all about glorious battle and having the best crack at some of our most extravagant feasts. But life as a member of Nafinia could be quite tough as well. Remember, they spent an awful lot of time outside patrolling Ireland. An awful lot of time outside in the Irish weather. They would have to climb to the tops of our mountains, deep down into Ireland's valleys. And they would have to cross the moors and the glens of Ireland in all kinds of weather. There was one such day when Nafinia were crossing the bog of Alan. It had been raining all day, and a deep, dense fog was descending now uh, as the evening was closing in. They were looking around for somewhere to spend the night, somewhere dry, and through the fog they spot an abandoned Cranog. Now, Cranog is a, a form of ancient Irish husk. It is set right out on the water and while they're not the most salubrious uh, kind of place to spend the night, beggars can't be choosers and so na make their way into uh, the abandoned hut. They light a fire and they gather around the fire huddled in their blankets. All of a sudden there appears in their midst A hideous callock, a hideous old witch woman. She is covered in hairy warts, and her long grey mane of hair is full of uh, twigs and leaves and bird droppings. She comes in close to Golmachmurna, the master of the hounds, and she says, Golmachmurna. Many's the night you have lain down amongst your dogs. Surely I am better than a dog, and this night you will allow me to come in under your blanket. We will cuddle together and we will both uh, be very uh, warm and dry. Gull takes one look at her and says, Woman, I would much rather lay down with one of my dogs than with you. You're the most hideous thing I have ever seen. There is no way that you will come under my blanket this night. She turns to Conan Machmúrna and she says, "Conan Machmúrna, you are covered in a black bristly hair. Many men call you the wolf. You understand what it means to be different. To be hated for looking different than everyone else. Surely you will pity me and allow me to come under your blanket this night. Woman, said Conan Machmorna, while I am hated for looking ugly, I am still a hot-blooded man and I desire only the company of beautiful women. There is no way that a callock will come under my blanket this night. She turns to Cwilce Macrónan, saying, Cwilce Macrónan, you are the fastest man in Ireland. You are loved throughout the Irish countryside for the many good deeds that you have done. You have gotten many the fair men out of a tough situation with your speed. Surely you are a man of kindness. You will not turn away an old woman this night. You will allow me to come in under your blanket to be warm and dry. Quilchamach Ronan says, Woman, I am the fastest man in Ireland, and I can think of nothing better to do than to run as fast as I can away from you and this ill-omened place. There is no way you will come under my blanket this night. She turns to Dirmud Odivna. Now, Dermud was a very handsome man. In the centre of his forehead was the shaka, the love spot. Any woman who gazed upon that spot on Dermud's forehead fell instantly in love. So obviously the calloch falls in love with Dermot. She said, Dermot, O Divna, you are known throughout Ireland for your honour. Many women love you. You could have your pick of any woman in the countryside. Surely a man such as yourself, who has earned the right to be with any woman he pleases, would be so kind as to pretend for a night that he is an ordinary man and sleep with a woman such as me huddled beneath his blanket. Dermot looks at her. He sees that she is indeed hideously ugly. But he looks into her eyes and realises that they are not really the eyes of an old woman. He is also, as she said, a man of honour, and so he takes pity upon her and invites her in under his blanket. nafina lie down that night, huddled together under the blanket, Dermot and the calloch together. But almost immediately after she is under the blanket, the hideous calloch, who would have guessed, transforms into the most beautiful woman with bright red tresses and the light of summer in her eyes and in her face. She was truly beautiful and glorious to look at. She is in love with Diarmuid because of the love spot and he is very much in love with her because she is so beautiful. The following day they leave the Cranog together and Diarmuid persuades her to marry him. She is eager to marry him for he is very handsome respected throughout the land as a member of Nafinia. She turns to him, though, saying, you have given me such joy and such pleasure, Dirmid or Divna. Is there anything that I can give to you? I will give you one wish for anything at all in the world, only name it. Dirmid or Divna was a man of simple pleasures, And he said to the old woman, now a young and beautiful woman, There is nothing I want more than a home of peace and quiet nestled beside the sea. She gives him a beautiful manor house upon a cliff in County Galway. They retire there and their years of married bliss pass slowly by. She warns him though, that if at any stage, he should remind her three times of where she came from, of what she looked like when uh, he first met her, then she will have to leave him. Now, Dearmid O'Divna becomes, oh, while he is married, like many Irishmen, He has a very common Irish hobby, or a hobby for married Irish men, he starts to keep greyhounds. At first he has only two, a male and a female, but uh, but the female quickly uh, has uh, puppies. She has uh, three puppies, and they are probably the best greyhounds in Ireland. And Dearbud warns her that while he is away on business, Uh, with Nafinia, she must not give the puppies away, for he loves them very much. But there are rules about hospitality in Ireland, and when a guest comes into your home and uh, you must give them uh, food and, and drink and you must be very hospitable to them, but you must also give them anything that they might ask for. Before too long, while Dermot is away, uh, members of Nafinia start to arrive. They look at the woman and uh, they look at the house and they look at the greyhound puppies and they think to themselves, this is the life uh, I could have had if only I saw through the magic spell. And she is very hospitable to first Golmoth Morna and Golmoth Morna, whose interest is in dogs generally. Uh, of course, the thing he asks her before he leaves, is there any chance I could have one of the puppies? Remember, she cannot refuse him because of the laws of hospitality. She gives him the first puppy. Dermot O'Divna comes back to his home after uh, an adventure with Nafinia and sees that she has given away one of the puppies and becomes intensely angry, Say, woman, Do you not remember where you came from? When I first met you, you were the most horrible, ugly thing to look at. Only I would have taken you in under my blanket. She runs away crying and says as she leaves, I warned you not to remind me of where I came from. Shortly afterwards, Diarmid is full of regret, but once again, he has to go on another adventure with Finn McCool. Who should arrive but Conan MacMurna, known as the wolf. She is obliged to give him hospitality in her and Dearman's home. Uh, Conan looks around the manor house. He sees the beautiful woman and he sees the very fast, very capable greyhounds, And thinks to himself, this is the life I could have lived if only I had seen through the magic. And the last thing he asks for before he leaves is one of the greyhound puppies. She is obliged to give him the puppy. He leaves and Dermot arrives a short time later to find that another of the puppies are gone. He says to her, woman do you not remember what you looked like when I first seen you. You were a hideous callock. Only because of my honour would I invite you in under the blanket. She runs away crying, saying, I told you not to remind me where I came from. Again, you can probably guess where this is going. Uh, Diarmuid is called away on another adventure uh, with Finn McCool, who should arrive at the manor house, but Cwilce Macronan, the fastest man in, in Ireland. He looks around the manor house, sees the beautiful woman, sees the greyhounds and thinks to himself, this is the life I could have lived if only I'd seen through the magic. The last thing he asks for before he leaves is one of the greyhounds. Diarmid comes back from his adventure with Finn McCool, sees that she has given away the third and final greyhound puppy and says to his wife, Woman, do you not remember where you came from? Do you not remember what you looked like when I first saw you? How hideous and ugly you were? Only because of my honour would I invite you in under my blanket. She, for the third and final time, runs away crying, calling out as she leaves, I told you not to remind me where I came from. But this third and final time, she is gone for good. The house feels very empty without her. It feels very empty without the greyhound puppies too, I can imagine. Dermot sits down uh, on the strand. He is weeping because of loneliness. He is weeping because of the uh, life that he has lost and the love that he has lost. He is heard crying by Monanon lear who arrives in disguise as a, a boatman. Uh, he is driving school to Inna his famous boat. on uh, sees Dearman crying and inquires after him, Dermondon Divna, uh, the man who is most loved by the women of Ireland, why is it that you are crying here on the Strand? He tells her, I have lost my love. The woman that used to be a callock, but actually was a beautiful, fair maiden. I know exactly who you're talking about, said Malinon Mocklear, and I will take you to her with all due haste. Hop into my boat, known as Good Toina, and I will take you to her. Dearwick gets into the boat and they cross the waves up of the Atlantic at great speed, making their way out into the west. All of a sudden, though, the boat descends below the water. Dearman thinks that he is going to drown, but he finds that even though his lungs are filled with water, he can still breathe. It must be the magic of the boat. They descend deep down below the waves and they see laying out before them the pastures of the kingdom under the waves, the beautiful green fields of seaweed and the capital city of the kingdom under the waves, constructed by that great king, who Diarmut doesn't realize is driving the boat, Mananon Machliar. Mananon takes Diarmut straight to uh, his beloved. Diarmut didn't realize that she was a princess of the fairies, a princess of the she, and that she lived uh, in the kingdom under the waves. He comes to her. He finds her in uh, in her boudoir. We'll say in her in her bedroom, and she's laying out. But she appears to be very, very sick. He inquires with her, "Oh, my beloved, what do you suffer from?" She tells him that she has an incurable disease, but. It's only incurable as far as she is concerned. What do I mean by this? Well, there is a cure. It is a chalice. It is in the keeping of the kingdom uh, under the waves. But it is a magic chalice. It uh, It will heal anyone of their sickness. But it will also cause them to forget the person they most love in the whole world. Diarmuid realises that she is going to forget all about him and that their love will come to an end. But he also doesn't want her to die of this terrible sickness. So he goes and finds the magic chalice and brings it to her. He fills it with a drink. Don't ask me how that works under the sea, And he bades her to take a sup from the chalice. But my love, she says, if I take this drink, then you and I will never uh, again fall in love. But still, said Dermot, it is better that our love be lost than your life be lost. She takes a sup from the chalice. She is cured of her illness and appears once again in the fullness of health. They are overjoyed together. It appears, at first, that she still remembers him, but all of a sudden, uh, her vision is clouded. She has forgotten her love for him, but he too, such as the magic of the chalice, has forgotten his love for her. Mononon Machliar puts Diarmid into a deep sleep. When he awakes on the strand on the beach in County Galway or what is today County Galway, he has forgotten all about his adventure in the kingdom under the waves. The sea, the waves, lap over him as he lays there on the beach. He thinks that something very important must have happened to him, but he cannot remember it. He thinks that he has lost something very important, but that too he cannot remember.
0: That was... <laughs> even, it's called, you know, Dermot uh, and the Kingdom Under the Sea. Even though he only spends the last three minutes of the story yeah. under, in the Kingdom Under the Sea.
1: I suppose it's one of those things where you can kind of shift the focus easily enough with the story, but there's, yeah. there's just some parts of that story there's no getting away from. No. Um, but it's nice that it gets resolved that he goes down under the sea. The yes. I've, I've heard a few versions of it, but Pauly just really gets into it. He's so venomous... With some parts of it, yeah, you can, you can woman? feel, yeah, yeah woman. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a lovely pace to his to his storytelling. But you can really feel the tension in that story, yeah. You know, and it's it's spice,
0: spice.
1: Yeah, I just well, you can feel it from the guys who come and come along and see what a great life. That Dermot has—he's you know, yeah. got this beautiful, you know, woman on his arm. He's got this like nice house with a great view, and he's got these—he's got these dogs. Yeah, and they all remark on how you know had they had the opportunity, that could have been their life.
0: Yeah, and they did have the opportunity.
1: They did have the opportunity, but I, to be honest, I don't even think that they want the greyhounds. I just think, really, yeah, that's that's my feeling of it. It's just like kind of like, well, I should. Some of this is mine. Oh. It's like arguing over a whale or something like that. They they have a sense of entitlement.
0: Runner up prize.
1: Runner up prize. Yeah, you get a dog. You get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> dog. Let me be very clear. For me, the prize would be the dog. Yeah. yeah. But even even how he how he speaks to her and how he talks to her, he's just throwing it back in her face. You know.
0: Yeah. Um. You know the the the, the, the drive to to insult her and to make her feel ugly and worthless. Yeah. You know, is something uh, is something that we don't expect from a supposedly chivalrous member of the Fina, but then the other guys weren't so chivalrous. But um, no, it's really personal, and it's like, um, and I can I can see why. You know, apart from magic reasons of course. Yes. <laughs> why you know, why she she promised him not to not to remind her of of how she used to look like and where she came from because, you know, they're trying to build this new life together.
1: Yeah. And yeah, you have to kinda of allow people to have a past.
0: Yeah. You know, unless
1: you're together from the very beginning you have to you have to acknowledge that, you know, people have had mm-hmm. a life before the relationship.
0: Yeah. But um, it seems that all, like, that he's living in the past, or he's living in her past, that all he can see, um, you know, when she upsets him is, is, how, is how she used to be. It's, oh, of course you would do something like this, because you're such an ugly hag. Whereas the, the day before, she was his, his beautiful yeah. princess
1: but I mean it happens so much like it's such a common trope like in our stories where you see this this old hag who's revealed to be like the sovereignty of Ireland this beautiful this Mm. beautiful you know woman the one where they drink from the well with the three princes yeah Um, but this story just has so much of so many other stories Mm. Um, the story of the the, the Fiona and the Fiona arriving at the cottage one stormy night and they're brought in and it's time youth death yeah um, and the world and it is that magical element that kind of makes it special but it almost doesn't fit into the storyline of, line of the Phoenix and
0: I guess not but I feel like um, of course at the end of the story um, the relationship ends because mm. um, our heroine is healed uh, but uh, Dermot they, f- they forget each other, they forget their love yeah. and Dermot ends up on the beach again and um, but do you think it it's made him any more any better or more mature or better able for the you know the big love that we know is coming with Grania?
1: I don't know. I think it makes him probably a little bit more. If if it is like part of the the overall kind of like timeline of his life, mm. it probably makes him a bit more wary of relationships Maybe. because we talk. I mean, we refer to Dermot Grania as a great love story of his life, but he he wasn't on board. No, he wasn't. He really, really <laughs> wasn't. And in fairness to he doesn't really have much of a chance once he has the low spot.
0: That's it, the it's love like spot.
1: It's put upon him. It's the yeah. curse of being gorgeous. And I, listen, I know what that's like. <laughs> he's just, that wasn't meant to be funny, but thanks. Um, but it, yeah, he, he does seem to be a bit more reluctant in the Stormy Dern, just stormy and yeah. Gronje.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, you know, Gronya ends up having to put a gas on him to yeah. compel him to, to go with her. You're
1: right, and it's, I feel sorry for her in in in, in this story, uh, the kingdom under the sea, because obviously her being another world person, you mm-hmm. know, she's a, she's a one of the the good folk, and she's a princess. Time would move very differently from her, yeah. And I'm sure that he's not the first nor the last suitor, so mm-hmm. she's probably been faced and disappointed. You know a number of times which is why she comes into the story and appears as an old hag so mm-hmm. that someone shows her kindness not because she's beautiful mm-hmm. but because that person is kind
0: mm-hmm. and yeah. she asks these uh, you know the these brave chivalric chivalrous men of the Fiona um, not only for you know to, um, to, to 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 let her come under their under their covers on this dark and stormy night but also just to to, to let her in under under their metaphorical covers maybe just to let them. yeah
1: no I don't you mean I just think it'd be more interesting to have the women of that mythological world you know be in the house and she arrives and I can imagine what a night they would have had ah yeah if you just removed <laughs> and I, I realise I'm I'm a guy saying this but the focus would have been different but she's she's obviously out looking for. Love for yeah. a relationship that's the, the, her purpose mm-hmm. in this.
0: Someone to share that manor house
1: with, and I suppose none of, the, none of the guys are in that position, they're just like happily plodding along, hunting and, and yeah. doing their thing, and then find themselves in this position. But he doesn't appreciate her until he's lost her, yeah. You know, and then you have to wonder if it is actual, if it's genuine, mm-hmm. or if it's just about the possession. It's, she's no different than, than the greyhounds.
0: Dumish could have just been a bit young for it all, though, because you know, one night this he he lets and he's very kind to this this old hag, this kylock, kind of Let you know, gives her a bit of shelter, and all of a sudden he's a married man with a house and dogs.
1: I know, yeah. She's their timelines are, are different, I suppose, and very much so because time moves differently in the other world. Mm. But uh, yeah, he kind of falls, finds himself trapped into it. He's he's hooked up with this cougar, this older woman. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he's like, where is my youth? Where yeah. is it? Um, yeah, I don't think he was ready for it. To be honest, I don't think he matures at any point in his, <laughs> his, his life. I know he gets lost eventually, but the other guys, like I said, their behavior where they see everything that they could have had, hmm. you know, and Dermot's probably looking at them and, And you know.
0: they try to take advantage of, of, of the hospitality rule.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, that's not horror issue. They're his friends. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, he needs to go and have a word with the lads, like yeah, he does. Uh, be like Quilltree, you know. And I don't mean to pick on Quilltree. I know Quilter, you're a fan of Quilltree, <laughs> but just be like, what's the story, man? With my dog? Can I have my dog back? That's that's not a- get your own. Great, yeah, that's not fair. But uh, no, he makes he makes a horrible problem.
0: Yeah, he does.
1: E- equally, if she hadn't looked after them, he probably would have had a problem with that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's no win in that situation, is there? No, no, there isn't. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, after the at, the at the end of the story, he's he, you know he goes a bit. Um, I can't think of another substitute for this. I'm just going to say, you know, bros before hose. And um, I can
1: see why you would look for another <laughs> saying, uh, but I, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, he puts his friends first, but it's that yeah. whole thing of the blood is thicker than water. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, the other person that we're missing out in all of this, you know, the sometimes troublemaker is Manamon McLear. Yes. Here we see him again sticking his nose in and using deception. Mm-hmm. Uh, though in this case you could argue he's trying to help.
0: He is, you know. A Dumid would have gotten completely lost without him taking under the sea, right?
1: Yeah, well he just would have moved on. He would have healed from his wounds and moved on, but no, Madame McAleer is always he loves he loves a good love story. Mm. He loves he is our god of love. Yeah. Uh, but he's a bit of a trickster as well.
0: He is. But that's sort of um, the, 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 the prospect at the end of them both forgetting um, that they knew each other or that they loved each other. Is very Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: Yeah, it is. it is. And it's very convenient. It is. It's super convenient. Yeah. Whereas I believe, I believe that if they truly did love each other, it would find a way around that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not just sort of lost the memories isn't enough. You're going to seek out that other person, mm. even if you don't realise that you do.
0: I think Poddy alluded to that there at the end.
1: Yeah, he, he, do, oh. he does. Poddy's a big, big romantic like myself. Big oh. <laughs> um. softy, despite his language in that story. <laughs> mm.
0: And I believe they, that they are, you know, left changed yeah. by it. But. Um, yeah, hard to to, to know. It's I, I, I don't know if it's storyteller's choice whether um, they forget the other existed entirely or maybe, or, or is Dermot just left with the memory of, oh, I let this old woman under my blanket one night and then the next day she was gone. She yeah. just forgets the love.
1: But you have that, you usually have the burden in stories like this, indeed, like across lots of media. Um, we even see it in the Marvel universe, mm-hmm. where someone is left with the burden of remembering everything that happens.
0: Yes, even in our last episode with the jealousy of Emer, yeah. That um, after the affair and after the two couples reconciled, Kukulin and Emer get to forget. Yeah. And the the the, the woman Kukulin was cheating with gets to forget that so she was involved with that, but her partner Manana McLear, doesn't.
1: Yeah. Even as you explain that, there you know that the 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 women in these stories rarely have a name, or the name is rarely acknowledged.
0: She does have a name. I've just forgotten.
1: No, but but it's it's (laughs) not unusual for that to be the case. The focus is put so much on the Fina, but it but it's a Fina story, and it's a (laughs) it's a Durmilo story. So he's going to be the focus. But it just shows you an issue with balance.
0: Yes, it does. And we're reading
1: these from like you know. Late nineteenth century versions mm. of these stories. So again, there's an agenda. There's a there's a society that exists at that, at that time when they're being written. Yes. I, I love modern takes mm. on, on some of these stories, but I'd be interested to see some of the older stuff and mm. where these stories were coming from.
0: Well, you mentioned a little while ago about how um, you know there's different parts of even Fienna stories cropping up in this, or you saw this uh, in other Fienna stories, uh, and the you know the old hag. Um, trying to get some kindness out of these men and then turning into a beautiful princess for the Honourable One is very much like um, The Wife of Bat's Tale in The Canterbury Tales. Yeah. Yeah, which is a lot more about um, uh, the, 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 the 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 rights of, of, of women and wi- wives to, to to choose their own fates. Yeah. And it's a nice sort of alternative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we see it in Beauty and the Beast as well, where the old woman shows up mm-hmm. and is looking for hospitality and mm-hmm. kindness and is turned away and she, she yeah she slaps a bit of respect <laughs> 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 to say the least. On it's there like you know but it's 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 just funny to see how this there's such common themes put all across this, you know? Yeah. But I just think the deception is there any real need for it. Hmm. You know, it's like the line about your age or your height or something like that. You know, it's just
0: the deception at the start of the story with the with the Kylock or with Marinel McClare?
1: Well, both, but starting with the comic kind of at the start is like I understand she's probably you know browned off with you know mm-hmm. people just loving her for how she looks and knowing who she is. Yeah. But we see the same in the story of Aladdin. You yeah. You know, we see Jasmine like escaping out into the you know into mm-hmm. town to mix with people, and it's like you're starting off from a point of dishonesty.
0: Hmm. It, but maybe you know because, Deermat has the love spot. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of stories, or by the time we get to Dearborn and Grana, he started covering up the love spot. He ties a bandana around it a lot of the time sometimes. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe it's, it's sort of the same thing for him, that he'd like to be loved and accepted for who he is. Not just because he's got a magical spot on his head that makes every woman fall in love with him.
1: But sure, <laughs> isn't it what we all want? Oh! Isn't it what we... Love oh. me for me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's... Because, it, it, I mean, the, the Fina were celebrities. Yeah. You know what I mean? They 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 absolutely were. They were known not just across the land, but they were known across the lands outside of Ireland. These were famous warriors and you know, trophy. Yeah, 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 they were the they were the (laughs) Premier League footballers of their day. So I mean think that brings an awful lot of pressure with it as well. Yeah. But I dunno, I suppose if they behaved how you'd like them to behave there'd be no story.
0: That's very true.
1: It's it's you need the conflict and the resolution.
0: Mhm. Um, Dermot, it 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 says that Dierma's oh that Dermot can look past her, the kylax face, and the Kylic's straggly hair and whatever. Yeah. Um, and that the other guys in the Fina don't. Um, but I don't know if it's really a thing of looking looking past or just being able to like, to 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 look her straight in the face and accept her for. For, for for who she is and accept her face and appearance for yeah. what it is you know
1: yeah no and just can,
0: accept it
1: but again we'd have no story then if the guys could do that yeah. but also they had an obligation a mem- as member of the, members of the FINA they had an obligation to look after her so yeah. the fact that the first person that she turned to said no mm. shows they're not fit to hold the position they hold no and I can't remember who in the story is the first one, and I almost think that's not important because it just—it's—it's mm. it's who's the last person she asks, yeah, and that's where the story—the story starts. It's like when you go looking for something, and people say it's always in the last place you looked.
0: Oh, well, of course it
1: is. You stop looking after that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not what they mean, but that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, uh, and the way she 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 asks them and tries to, you know you know flatter them as well yeah um it's it's really interesting how potty does it but it it might backfire on her because they might you know because they have come through this awful night as well and have found shelter but then you know they but then she goes oh you've got all these special talents and you're a brave member of the fiend and everyone loves you and maybe a load of them go well yeah i I i'm brilliant so why should i let you (laughs) in
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, just yeah. cuz it's the right thing to do. Maybe that's maybe that's a good start.
0: Yeah, guys.
1: We spend so much time on these podcasts really bashing the members of the fema. Um, and it's funny cuz like we've said before, we're bashing the representation of them in these stories, where we yeah. could just as easily get in and do these stories and show them in the good light. Yeah. You know.
0: I, I don't like to think of it as bashing. I'm not bashing for the sake I of am. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just you know like um, it's just it's just nice to to, to to sit and to take a moment to actually think through and, and and talk through the the things that these people actually do and do to each other in these stories and ask mm-hmm. why you know they um uh, in our uh, Be Liddish leaving Cert video from uh, a little while ago um, when Leaving set students answer questions on Irish mythology on the Irish yeah. paper, uh, and they ask, "Oh, how, what makes us folklore? What makes us mythology?" One of the answers they have to give is, "The characters are one dimensional." Um,
1: oh, really? Yeah. Don't know how I feel about that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's like, okay, maybe in the in the telling of it or sure, in the versions of the story you have to study in the for the paper, maybe. But that's something I like to. I'm glad we get to sort of explore here.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that is true. We kind of add to, but a lot of it is our own kind of projection. Yeah, projections and understanding (laughs) our understandings of them as well. Yeah, and we kind of. Humanise them an awful lot you know and again we we look at ourselves applying twenty first century morals to Mm. to stories that have been around for hundreds of years
0: yeah that i think we might have turned this into an esther perel relationships podcast as well this time well that's it for this episode of national leprechaun museum talking stories uh thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode uh, please share it with your friends or on social media. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so it's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you on a podcast again.
1: I know it all. Like I mean, when we started back doing these uh, in this way in lockdown, and now the museum is open again. Yeah, it's kind of it feels like we've come full circle.
0: Yeah, it does. Well, I like the way we 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 do it now these days, and I hope we continue.
1: Ah, we will, of course. Yeah. Well, have to say of course, thank you, to the party, for an amazing story.
0: Yes, indeed, absolutely fantastic! It's always such a pleasure to hear Paddy's stories on the podcast, and to actually get to share Paddy, Potty, uh, Paddy's stories, and Poddy himself with the world.
1: And again, with the museum being open, you can now come in and you can get told stories by by Paddy and Deirdre and Lenny and and Stephen and Sarah and Nisha and on occasions ourselves as well. Yep. But it's just yeah, we're all here waiting for you guys to come in, so. If you can come in, come and see us. We're open on the weekends, but we're always going to have our online content.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Mark, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you again for another episode in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye. This episode of National Leprechaun Museum Talking Stories features Mark O'Garon and Eleanor Walsh. Dermot and the Kingdom Under the Sea was told by Paul D. Holley. Thanks for listening. Slan Gafol.